0: Welcome to Two Peas in the Snow here on KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks, Alaska, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Firstly, I just have to say um, congratulations, JC, because you did not mess up that intro for the <laughs> first time this month.
0: <laughs> Why, thank you. I am so appalled. You know, Appalled? I'm, I'm flabbergasted <laughs> by the, the notion of, I don't know, I'm just exaggerating my vocabulary term use. Yeah, so... Welcome to the show. Um, well, welcome to the final episode of Spoopy Pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last
1: installment of our Halloween themed... Theme. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yes, I am your host, Juan Cruz. And you've been wondering, I imagine, listener, uh, who who's the other person that, that decided to talk here? Who are you?
1: Who is this beautiful voice that I hear on the radio?
0: Who is this mysterious <laughs> entity?
1: Lots of clicking today.
0: <laughs> Let's go to the food.
1: Uh, Kristen, <laughs> it is Kristen.
0: We are Kristen. Sorry, <laughs> the other song for you. Yeah. Anyway, okay. yeah, welcome to the show. Um, yeah, we we are pretty much wrapping up our Halloween. Um, Ongoings uh, Our topics I guess Yes We first discussed About our experiences With um, paranormal Activities and stuff like that Uh, Last week Was our Kind of low energy One We just pretty much Talked about costumes From 2020 As well as uh, This year And Today What are we doing Kristen
1: Today We are reading Scary stories
0: (laughs) <laughs> someone kid's like it's not that scary I'm like okay alright shoot
1: <laughs> yeah we decided to uh, end this Halloween theme with some good scary stories that, I hope you're excited because we're excited even yes. if we don't sound excited <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like well you decided to just slowly jump your voice so then all these started like this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no but yeah so um, who wants to go first I guess about this we didn't really think about who's gonna go first first
1: yeah i know um, um do you want to go first or do you want me to go first
0: um well after a previous episode just criticized me for talking way too much um i think it would be suitable you're,
1: but you're not talking <laughs> no, I, go you're into detail, I go
0: into too many details but about you're
1: reading <laughs> true
0: <laughs> well we're re- okay the thing is how this is gonna work we are reading the stories. We both haven't um, shown each other what our yeah, stories we chose are. Yeah,
1: two short stories. Yeah.
0: Short, relatively speaking, I guess. They're semi-lengthy.
1: <laughs> I'm like, how long is yours?
0: A decent amount, honestly.
1: Mine was an estimated 10 minutes.
0: Girl. All right. Mine's... I don't know. Mine doesn't say an estimated amount. What?
1: It doesn't say at, like, the very top of the story? No, it doesn't.
0: This one does not say it at all. What the heck? Um, So, yeah. I can kind of... Read it fast. I like that. All right. Anyways. <laughs> okay. So we can just.
1: I guess JC is going to read first. All right. And we're going to add we're some commentary. Yeah. Commentary. Sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah. All these are from creepypasta.com. We will give shout outs to their um, writers. So yeah. So we can begin. Man. We just need the actual We just need to put some like creepy music. If I can figure out how to put creepy music and, and editing like throughout the whole time I'm reading, that would be pretty fun. Yeah, you should be
1: able to do it. Why would it be hard?
0: I don't know. I'm not that great with editing. (laughs) We'll talk about it. Anyways. Anyway, so our first story of the episode is called Advice from My Grandpa, written by Colson LaCosa. Okay. My grandfather was a deeply religious man. He never missed a service, and he always proved to be a beacon of everything his face stood for he seemed like a walking image of what one of the apostles was supposed to be he had the look and action of a man who could never die his image i had presented i have presented presented should lean you in the direction of my (laughs) shock the night i heard he was in the hospital not only his actions in the public showed him to be an enviable man but those that impacted me on a personal personal level built him up to be an invincible statue of purity incarnated throughout my childhood my parents were less than admirable folk they never hit me nor did they insult me but they were a distinct they were as distant as strangers he's choosing stuff so far <laughs> I know I'm going to be slipping <laughs> of <clears throat> my grandfather, who remained unmarry, unmarried, was more of a friend and a parent than either of them ever were. They were not nearly as disciplined in the faith as he was, but I, don't, I didn't blame them. They were the people in your n- neighborhood who showed up once a month to save face among the neighbors, but don't practice what they preached in any extent. They were both incredibly hard workers for respectable local companies, meaning they often would not have time for sermons and prayers, meaning any of my spiritual education came through my grandfather. As well as my standard education, he cared deeply for me, like a father to a son. Less so like a grandparent and grandchild. I even ended up staying at him at his home, though significantly smaller than that of my parents. For most of my childhood. I sped towards the hospital faster than I thought possible on a bike and was there before I knew it. I knew now that the adrenaline coursing through me did most of the work that night. I asked the receptionist where to find him and I was directed to his room. The sound of my sneakers on the freshly mopped floor were deafening. I was told that he was in a car crash and while not extreme due to his age, The injuries he received would most likely be too much for him side note the car crash with the girl getting (laughs) hit from the story oh my
1: gosh we're not going to talk about that right now
0: (laughs) that's pretty funny uh i saw him in a white gown his heavy ragged breathing reached me before the sight of him ever registered there was a bandage with cotton underneath wrapped around the tops of his near bald head And a few bolts of blood escaping his mouth hung open slightly allowing an outlet for his grounds of pain when he saw me standing there in the doorway fear blanket blanketing my face a flash of recognition flickered in his eyes he closed his mouth and licked his lips quickly before calling to me to come to his side tears obscured my vision as i sat in the chair beside his his bed sound good keep reading (laughs) i I was like we were looking at the monitor like oh this is good my boy listen to me he wheezed again before continuing to speak I won't be around much longer I groaned when he closed his mouth rejecting the message he presented me he waved a a weak finger in front of my face to quiet my protest listen to me I have a story to tell you I looked at him in disbelief and whimpered my tears Grandpa, a story. Why now? He reared up his bed, demanding my silence once, once against. Quiet yourself. I will not demand it again. I was dumbstruck by his um volatility. (laughs) I was never. He was never this openly wrathful. You have known me as an honest man your whole life, have you not? I scooted closer. Of course, only the holiest of men could aspire to to be cut of your own cloth. He grimaced slightly and groaned a deathly groan again, he leaned towards with great difficulty to touch my chest with his finger before leaning back completely at, to stare at the ceiling. When I was younger, like you are now, I was lost in the world. My father was a sh- soldier in the war, and he died where he stood
1: (laughs) the war
0: (laughs) yeah my mother was sent to work in the factories and she ran away with another man leaving me alone i pinched pennies on the street to feed myself i was at an absolute low you must understand i would do anything to get by atop all this i knew nothing of the true god then i was a lost child of the world in the world of horrors I knew not of his hand moved in his heart for the remainder of his story. I remembered clutching a few dollar bills more than enough for the night's dinner. So when with my haul, I began to walk towards the market. I was only halfway there when a man in one fluid motion snatched the money from my hand, pushing me over and ran from the from an alley. I laid there dumbstruck for a few moments, simply trying to process what just happened. I looked down. I saw I was empty handed and covered in mud. I wept gently to myself when the man who would change my life came before me. He was in a long black and white grab like a common priest would wear like a common priest would wear. And because of this, I figured this must be the case. He wore no rosaries, I thought. I wasn't a believer, but I was in no situation to pick my saviors. The hand he had reached was a working man's hand, hard and calloused. His face was a, de- a kind man's face, and his shoes were a desperate man's shoes. He said to me, Poor child, are you as lost as I? His voice his voice was shrill and unpleasant but his words struck as if the son of God himself spoke them to me Yes father please help me I would have been more eloquent or thoughtful with my words if I had if I were in a better mind but my desperate tone seemed to have done the trick he picked me up with his hands and led me down the curving streets of my hometown to what I assumed was his home. He didn't seem lost to me. I thought when we arrived, but once we were inside, all thought of speculation left me in the, like the cold air from outside. It was a little, co- it was a cozy little home with a large window in the living room and hardwood floors. Oh with a large window in the living room and hardwood floors. It reminded me of my childhood home, and I began to cry. I didn't kneel. I just stood there, crying. The man placed his hand on my shoulder, soldiers.
1: <laughs> shoulders. Soldiers. <laughs>
0: shoulders? Sorry. Soldiers. <laughs> soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> mm, trying to do this voice and half wept to me. Weep boy. Weep boy. Weep openly in remembrance. It will be the last time you do so. Nah, boy, I won't tell you everything that happened. And if ever there was a time for me to tell you all my failures, it would be now, as I place my feet into the beach where death swims, but I won't. If I made clear the things I did, the temptation would prove too burdensome to any to turn their nose to, especially a child. Instead, I will dance around the finer points and tell you the rest. The man never gave me his name, and in time I lost my own. Men would come and go, but he would always stay. He gave me food and water, he gave me a bed to sleep in, and for many years he asked nothing. Though this simplicity would last only until he deemed me mature enough to learn of the education he offered until he deemed me no longer a child he told me nothing of his work and asked not and i asked not i assumed he was a priest from his garb garb and from his mannerisms but i kept no proof he held no holy symbols and kept no books of faith he would leave for long parts of the day and come back in the night he came to me one morning he tapped my shoulder and shushed me gently ushering me from my bed i got up and followed him outside he let out another small groan and closed his eyes before continuing to recount his tale i don't remember how long we we walked but i remember feeling that pulsing pain wrapped around my leg and center on my upper thighs my shoes felt wet and spacious and my hair was matted to my head despite the cold wind blowing through the town that day I stood in the black room with a few hanging lights, vainly trying to combat the dark. The man who took me in seemed indistinguishably indistinguishable among the other wearing the same cloth. They talked amongst themselves for a few moments before disengaging from each other and starting and staring starting towards me. I was given a bowl of soup and told to eat. I sat down after the bowl laid empty and damped on the inside my vision was dull but only not only by the darkness but also but but also by my exhaustion the soup felt good but I don't remember how it tasted the man I knew came forward and began speaking to me through his words only registering occasionally he said something with great passion then pointed past himself and the other man to show a rising tower of smoke with just enough light on it from the hanging bulbs to remain visible. The smoke originated from the center of the room, initially black before it began to change. It shifted its shape like a plume of incense, though it had no origin. Its color shifted from that of a black color, only magnified by its surroundings before it changed to a light gray and then pale white it grew increasingly paler before even changing to a dark a light pink then red then purple and blue and so on i was completely enraptured by the elegant though simple display before me my stomach gurgled a protest to my lack of food not satisfied with the soup alone but i rest on, of my but the rest of my attention was still focused on the shifting smoke A man, not one I knew, came before me obscuring the smoke to my dismay, but they grabbed my attention with something new. Anything, boy? What do you want? I thought only a moment before gesturing over to the mostly empty bowl of soup and then to my mouth, not wanting to put in an effort to talk. I didn't even feel like putting the effort in to breathe. I was in a subtle, sublime state of relaxation I had never known, no, nothing seemed to matter in that moment. Not even the man currently gesturing me towards the soup bowl, only the smoke lazily rising behind me and appearing over my head. I finally bade his request, which was steadily growing in urgency to look at the bowl. I rolled my head to one side. With my eyes only half open, the soup bowl was now fully full. The man hadn't moved, and the others at the back of the room stayed in the same positions. So how was the soup so full? It didn't matter in that moment. I only wanted the hunger pangs, pangs to leave. I reached my hand out with little prior deliberation, pulled the warm bowl towards my mouth and began to drink from it. Though it looked and smelled the same as before, it tasted like honey and sugar now, fully awakening me from my subdued state of earlier. I hungrily took from the bowl until not even the dampness of earlier remains unless you count the new wetness that my tongue left behind. My awakened eyes shifted to the man still kneeling before me, no doubt a begging look within. His glistering orbs. He smiled sweetly, showing no age lines as some of the others had adopted. Trust in our Lord, and all you all you desire will come freely to you. Y- Yatwa is a is a loving one and will ordain you in blood and honeydew words if you only let him do so. I didn't know what I didn't know this Yatwa he spoke of but i knew that if they could bring this smoke and give me more of the soup then whatever else they offered would no doubt be good i thought of this name yatwa and i f- and a fondness in it began to grow i looked back at the, to the bowl the fondness still in my mind to see it again full and plentiful plentiful my stomach it no longer growled But my very soul seemed just as hungry. My eyes, my wide eyes looked disbelievingly at the kneeling young man in approval. Which he maintained his smile and nodded at me to drink again from the soup. I grabbed the soup and began to drink again. This process continued for a while longer until my stomach felt full. My mind felt at peace and my ravaged soul felt whole. The name Yatva felt sweet and warm to me, and I think the others knew my feelings as they looked kind and lovingly at me. The kneeling man helped me up with his soft hands and led me over to the other men. I was given a set of, clo- set of clothes like the ones they wore, and asked if I loved Yatva. I, an- I answered truthfully with a little with little time spent for consideration. Yes. Although simple, it seemed enough for them as hands were placed on my shoulders and I was told my education would begin soon. He sat up slightly, his eyes still closed. <clears throat> I only now witness the slight wetness now permeating around my fa- grandfather's eyes. I won't tell you the process they went through and the endow- endowers hours of educating me. I would not wish what I know on anyone. Instead, I will tell you my mistakes, so you may not make the same ones. The teaching they gave me was purely oral. They kept no books of their knowledge instead opting to pass the secrets they held on through the living members of the of their order. They taught me that the thing known as Yatua was the true God, and all others were pretenders. Only orphans or any others without parents could join the order as Yatwa must be provided uh, the brother and the role model. Yatwa would be the generous pa- patron to all except traitors. It was made abundantly clear that anyone who turned their backs on Yatwa would face the worst of all torments, though it was unclear what this exactly meant to turn away from your truest provider, you would be deserving of whatever the world sent you away. your uh, you your way with no protector and stand before you. At that time, I was unclear for what reasons any would turn their back on Yatva as he was the most loving figure I have ever known. I was taught to be a conservative with the wishes to Yatva as abuse of the power they offered was a distinguished affront to our patron. I had tests for my training before I became baptized, is what I will call it, I suppose. Accepted may be a more accurate word. I had to prove myself in multiple ways before I was truly prepared to offer the love of Yatva to those deserving of it. Most of the tests were for me to provide accurate summaries of information of Yatva that I had been given by my superiors. Having shown my devotion, they agreed that I was eligible to be a sit-in member on a full initiation, which is what happened to me, a visceral display of the practical power that Yatva possessed. My job was to do what the young man did for me and showed whatever was selected face to face the love of Yatva. It was imperative that I wake them from the trance that they would fall into. But I was told, not told why. I was more than ready to accept my enthusiasm, showing further the adoration I held for the order of loyal followers and of course Yatva itself, himself. Roughly a month later, the day or night, rather, the initiation was to occur. I was determined more than anything to show that I truly loved Yatva. They gave me a family, a home, a purpose, and a moral code to live by. Whereas a prior, I had not, none of these things. The Lord, the other loyal ones, and I came to the building remarkably similar to the one I met Yatva in. When we came in, we waited a moment before a robed older woman brought forth a young girl in around 11, I would guess. She had blonde hair and curls and bright blue eyes. She was hungry looking and wavering from the long trip she had made to get here. She was sat down as the woman came towards us. Everything about that night was similar to how it was for me. The words they said. The things offered even the spectacle. I found myself watching the same smoke with new, more softened eyes than before, now filled with adoration for the event, more than astonished. I watched as the girl began to lazily lean back, still watching the smoke. I smiled at her, now realizing that this was my cue to walk forward and begin my part of the ritual. I grew closer, then knelt down on one knee. I placed my a hand on her shoulder and recited the words that I had been told to say. She did nothing but lazily eye the smoke behind me. Growing nervous, I said the words again. I looked back at the other loyal ones and only saw them watching the girl. I shook her lightly, then furiously. She wasn't breathing, and her face and skin tone began to show it. I was no longer smiling, but furiously yelling at the girl to wake up. The soup bowl by her hand was knocked away by my shaking, and hollow sounds echoed across the room, being now the only source sound might save my own panting. She was dead within a few minutes. I knelt there crying and holding that dead girl for a few minutes. I felt a hand on my shoulder to see the man who took me in initially, looking at me woefully. Relax, my boy. We simply picked the wrong one. Though he looked at me sadly, I saw no recognition of the death in his eyes. What? Was all I? what? Was all I could manage to say. Some are just undeserving. She was too enraptured by Yathma's power to appreciate yats love. We are only human. And thusly it is possible for us to pick the wrong students. It is no fault of yours. I was dumbfounded. What was the love I had known to mean if none was spared of the death of this child? Not even a tear was shed or anything, but I. For the first time I felt genuine doubt over whether Yatva was worth following. What God was true worth worthy of true of humanly love when they trained their followers to not even glance at a child's death within a holy place. I announced none of these thoughts of fear for fear of scrutiny or violence. But when I looked at my fellow followers, I said, not love, but the test sin now. This was not what I wanted with my life. I decided then that I would leave. Let me see how long okay i'm almost done <laughs> i just realized i'm like wait a sec am i going too too long okay <laughs> yeah because we're almost like 30 minutes in Ooh.
1: <sighs> let's go jc let's
0: go let's go oh my god i feel like yours is maybe long not as long the, the music's got to be short for sure mm. the music gonna be short hope you're enjoying it so far my voice is hurting <laughs> <laughs> I had a dream that night before I left. I was in the same room that the girl died in. I lay where she died. I stood partially obscured by the shadows, holding the hands of the naked figure. They had no. can't say that. Uh, or any distinguisher of genders. Their skin was gray and wrinkled. Wrinkly. Long brown nails stemmed from its fingers and toes. It left its hand holding with a girl and slowly. St- started towards me they were bald absolutely no hair anywhere the nose of its face was long and jagged contemplating the long yellow teeth partially escaping from under the dry lips quite well its eyes were yellow like i don't know what that word is jaundice. <laughs> jaundice don't know what that is and they <laughs> burned with intensity before i could fully register what was happening happening what was happening it was upon me it brought its jagged old hand to face me then with a putrid scent briefly catching my nose it brought its fingers to my lips it's the scent of waste and death waft from the thing nearly gagging me on its own but the feel of the leathery fingers touching my (laughs) mouth completed the job my mouth opened all god to to gag then it launched its hand into my mouth Uh. (laughs) okay its (laughs) fingers wormed around within touching my teeth gums and the interior of my cheeks the gagging had increased to dry the gagging had increased to dry heaving then vomiting but it did not stop the gray thing though impossible its hand stretched my mouth further until its and cracked forearm was in my mouth and its nails strung my throat my wet and terrified eyes locked within it and a painful disappointment was all its gaze showed the salty taste blended with the bile causing my dry heaving to turn into a violent convulsion I locked eyes one last time before I quit before in one quick and bloody movement it ripped its arm from my throat I woke up before I saw the completion of the of its movement I knew it was Yakva I never said its name but I just knew I packed the next day but seeing as though it had no position I had no positions it went remarkably quick I gagged the in thoughts of the dream as I left a fear unlike any I had ever experienced propelling me out of doors of out the door of my home I stumbled down the long streets of my hometown until I found a chapel and the rest of history, they say, and the rest is history, they say. I went to the confession booth as my first act of rebellion against Yatva. I became a priest later in my life and vowed to only do good to make up for that girl's death. I never received proof that my new God was real, but I knew of Yatva's existence. He opened his eyes to look at me. Dread within him. Boy, trust me when I say this. Whether you believe me or not, or not, dark things exist in this world. Trust in what you know to be good, and don't stray from the path you find. I never found proof of, in this God's existence, but if I did, did it? But if I did, it wouldn't matter, for I knew. What the alternative was. I've seen the devil and he is coming for me tonight. Be safe, boy, and don't make the mistake I made. Oh, God. He began to weep slightly and his heart rate on the mod- nearby monitor began to rise. A nurse walking down the hallway at that time saw the monitor and the crying man and rushed in. As the heart rate steadily increased, she called for more help and it came. They spoke in hurried medical terms I didn't understand, and they pushed me out of the room, just as my grandfather began to sh- shout and scream. I only saw glimpses of him as he screamed, eyed, wide-eyed at nothing. Fear blended in his with his tears to make an expression of pure, unadulterated terror. He begged for something I couldn't understand as the doctors and nurses frantically tried to assist him, but as his scream suddenly died down they were visibly less enthusiastic with their with their movements i only saw one more glimpse of him before they shut the door to prevent others from seeing him his eyes were wide and bloodshot his mouth was open in a silent scream and spit flowed from it on his side on onto his gown and the pillow beneath his head Fear was etched on his face, but it was of something no one but he could see. I don't know how much truth was imparted to me, but his terror, but he, but he terror I saw, that's weird, on his face was real enough. I went home after that, went to bed, and the next morning I went to church. The end. Yikes! (laughs)
1: Yikes! Okay.
0: <laughs> that was a long one. Sorry, I had it, definitely. But my god, that that was some. Definitely took a long exposition. I felt like if he if it would have just started from, the bad point, and maybe skipped a little bit at the, of the journey where he met the man. Let's yeah. say yeah. Sh- but overall, creepy, really creepy. I like the uh the ending like. Or I guess like the twist with like the whole hand thing the dream. Ew. I think well I li- I like it as in like that's where it, like yeah, the horror know, came know, it came from. Um I know. Interesting stuff honestly. I think it I think it's pretty good. It's rated in 8 stars. Um I think it's pretty worthy for it for where how it developed its story. Mm. Um so yeah, definitely check that out. It's by um Colson Lacosa called Advice. From my grandpa, so we shall go on a break. Yes, I'll I'll make it so it's only two songs this time around, and then we will go into Kristen's. Yes, songs. Which one Story. do you want to play? Oh, yes, yeah, sorry, <laughs> stories. Which one do you want to play? Do you want that one? Do you want that one? Cool. So we will be right back. Ooh. Welcome back.
1: Hi, welcome back to Two Peas in the Snow here on KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks, Alaska.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> so I just did my story. Yes. Um, it was a
1: little longer than we both thought.
0: <laughs> literally, like as I said, this seems like I just explained way too much. So yeah. Yeah. But I think it was a pretty good one. A good uh, build up uh, to the moment. Yes. Um, I honestly thought that it was going to be more of like, okay, he, he joined the cult, but then something major happened and mm. that's like as part of it. And then mm. that's why he's kind of like quiet now or whatever. But yeah. So Kristen, what's, what scary story have you brought for us?
1: Um, so my scary story is also from creepy pasta. Uh, we stated that before, but I'll Number just restate it. um, <laughs> The credit at the bottom is given to user Aliponimo. Uh, I don't know if that's actually who wrote it, but anyways, um this story is the lost cosmonaut also <laughs> a quick um sorry to <laughs> Russians and Russian speakers because this has some Russian names and in, in it, and I don't speak Russian, so I'm not <laughs> i uh, my pronunciation might be off, so uh sorry in advance <laughs> okay we love y'all <laughs> officially yuri Gagarin was the first human to reach outer space his historic flight in april of 1961 kick-started the space race in earnest the soviet space program however was shrouded in secrecy from the beginning there have long been questions regarding the existence of lost cosmonauts those individuals who'd ventured beyond our atmosphere at the cost of their lives, their failure and very existence expunged by the Soviet government in an effort to save face. From a listening station just outside of Turin, Italy, two amateur radio operators had been scanning the skies since the 1950s. In October of 1960, a full six months before Gagarin flew, they picked up a strange transmission from space. Breaking through a sea of static came the ghostly voice of a woman, which they were able to record. She spoke Russian, and while they couldn't understand it, the distress in her voice was clear. She seemed to be choking back tears as she spit out the words. After a moment, the static came creeping back, swallowing her voice like a wave. It wasn't long before the operators had a translation. No one will ever know, she was repeating. No one will ever know, no one will ever know. The words would prove prophetic, for indeed no one would know who this mysterious woman was or why she'd said what she said until now. (laughs) Growing up, the greatest speeds Rosa Ivanova had ever known were were on the back of her favorite horse, Agrippin, racing across the rolling hills of the Irkutsk countryside. Oh my gosh, I can't speak. (laughs) Um, She'd never felt so free as on the back of this powerful beast and almost believed his hooves might well leave the ground upon cresting each rise, never to land again. Then came the war to shatter juvenile fantasy. Like so many Russian families, hers came to know loss and hardship firsthand. Rosa didn't like to talk about that. She had been lucky, though, securing an education in Moscow in the years that followed. It was here at university where she found her second passion after horseback riding that of skydiving. Agrippin never did leave the ground, but Rosa, having achieved the feat on her own, now gleefully dove back toward it. Motherhood and a stint in local politics kept her busy after graduation. Yet if her thirst for adventure was quelled, it was not quenched. It simmered below the surface, anticipating any cho- chance to boil over. It was with great delight then that she received news of her selection for training in the nascent Soviet space program. Me? They want to see me? What can I show them? Sergei Korolev.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um... I'm just gonna say Sergei, it's easier to say. Um, Sergei was adamant, it must be a woman. Pulled from the gulags two decades prior, the brilliant head of Soviet rocket development insisted to his superiors that it would be a public relations coup. Besides, he argued, women in general are smaller and lighter than men. And as he was so fond of saying with regard to launches, every gram counts. Only in the last few months had the potential for a payload greater than dogs been realized. Their deaths were not a deterrent. The Politburo, for their part, did not need much convincing. They glowed at the choice. Ha! Responded a low ranking official. First person and first woman in one. Let the Americans best that. They haven't the balls twice over. (laughs) (laughs) That earned a smattering of laughter from the council. A.K.A. J.C. The selection process began and by the time Sergei's team found Rosa, there was nine other candidates. One by one, they were brought in and presented to him in the same bersk manner. Name? The baby faced director sat scribbled at his desk. Rosa Ivanov. no- Ivanova. Oh my goodness. Okay. Ivanova. He gave her the briefest of glances as he continued to write. And where do you come from, Rosa Ivanova? Irkutsk, Oblast, Siberia. hmm. Age and weight? 32 years, 56.7 kilograms. Scribble, scribble. Thank you, Rosa Ivanova from Irkutsk. You may go. It was new, tense, exciting. She couldn't wait to start. All of them passed the rigorous training process, which included isolation and centrifuge tests, numerous parachute jumps, and engineering studies. But it was Rosa they picked in the end. Her skydiving background should serve her well in the mission's critical reentry stage, as should her political acumen in presenting a face to the media. It was an easy face to look at too, with high cheekbones, Asiatic eyes, and a confident smile framed by thick blonde curls. She was also the lightest of the group. Every gram counts and her father being a war hero didn't hurt either she counted the days until her launch half believing there was no way it would actually come that this was all a grand dream until the day actually came the october morning in the kazakh steppe was cool dry and gray early sunlight began its steady march across the warming tarmac rosa had seen the vostok Rocket plenty before. Still being ferried to it now, knowing what was in store, it impressed anew as the sun rose. The thing was a marvel, a shimmering, silver-white skyscraper towering over the flat landscape. Four massive boosters draped off its sides, meeting the core stage with an elegant taper. The surmounting nose cone pointed triumphantly skyward. Already suited, Rosa met with Sergei at the launch pad. He took her gloved hand in his. This day will be a remarkable one, he said, planting kisses of well-being on her cheeks. You will succeed. She smiled, grateful for his words. She only wished her son could be here. Of course, the mission must be kept secret. For now, even from her loved ones. Especially from her loved ones. She made her way toward the service structure cradling the rocket. Back turn. Sergei fetched a pill from his pocket and tossed it down his throat. He was a jungle of frayed nerves inside. A flurry of thoughts filled Rosa's head as the elevator inched its way up the scaffolding. She felt as if the whole of her life had condensed to this single moment, that she had a responsibility not to one person, not to any group, but to all of mankind, and realized, behind the pride and joy, there lurked the somber knowledge that for a short time she would be more alone than anyone who ever lived. She made these thoughts known to the flanking personnel, saved the last, and they recorded them. With a soft whine, the lift came to a halt before the vacant craft. Assisted by technicians, she secured her helmet and squirmed inside the cockpit. Cramped, but not too much, she mused. Seat could use some cushioning. The instrument panel was simple in the extreme. A few gauges, various indicator lights, a moving half-globe to show position. Controls were all but non-existent. In fact, all major controls were locked. The craft would operate with automatic systems or via remote ground control. Manual override was not an option. Nobody was sure how a human might react in the weightless environment of our space, so no chances would be taken. After a final check, the hatch was closed and sealed. Rosa communicated with the ground control operating under the call sign, Dawn, while awaiting the go-ahead for launch. She'd chosen as her own call sign, (laughs) Agrippin. How do you read me? I hear you well. Cabin pressurizing, pressurization complete. VHF reception is good. Ping. One, two, three, four, five. I understand. Fine. Ready to go. How do I look? Roger. TV image is good. Heartbeat is normal. Lights check. Roger. Lights are good. Like a New Year tree. <laughs> <laughs> a bit unseasonable for that, I'm afraid. This pre flight chatter continued for a while until finally. I hear the valves working. Slight rumbling. Yes, get ready, please. Ready. I feel good. Rumble increasing. We're giving ignition. Preliminary stage. Intermediate. Main. Lift off. Whoom! The scaffolding parted. Steam billowed, fires burst, and the tower slowly rose in defiance of gravity. Soar, Agrippin, soar! Rosa was pushed to her seat with oppressive force as the vehicle shook and rattled. She prayed it would hold together, agonizing minutes later, having propelled her to north of 18,000 miles per hour, the boosters dropped away in unison. Acceleration led up at once, throwing her forward. The payload fairing s- split into in two pedals and fell away, revealing a second porthole at her feet. She radioed that she could see the earth, that it was breathtaking. Then, whew, as the second stage ignited, multiple Gs pinned her back as the rocket arced in a easterly curve away from Baikonur Cosmodrome. The sky had gone from a white to a variety of lighter and darker blues, approaching black, a smooth gradient of earth to space. The second stage engine shut down, then whoom, as the third fired up. more Gs pounded every part of her body, threatening to flatten her as if she were being pinned down by an elephant. She rode the wave of acceleration until the final stage was spent, detaching with a bang. Free. Ten minutes after liftoff, all sensation of speed stopped for good. Rosa was now free-floating in space. She sat off of her chair as far as the restraints would allow, enjoying the sensation. The Vostok aircraft was a little more than a hollow ball on a cylindrical chassis, terminating to a retro-engine and bristling with antennas. Its objective was to make one revolution around Earth before re-entry, after which Rosa would eject from the module and parachute to the ground. Total flight time should be just over one and a half hours. Rosa fed ground control, continual status updates as she got on her way. This would constitute the bulk of her mission, as there was little else to do but enjoy the sights. Through the lower porthole, earth was a beautiful mosaic of mountain, sea, and cloud. She reached for an overhead compartment, producing a monocular request granted with some hesitation. Every gram counts, after all. Lifted Lifted her visor and trained the instrument on random land masses. The terrain crawled like a conveyor. 42 minutes after liftoff, Rosa reported that she was on the night side of the earth and would soon be passing over the United States, the California coast with its nebulous tendrils of city lights rolled into view, and she wondered how slumbering Americans would react to news of the Soviet woman above above their skies. If Sputnik Sputnik was a headache, this ought to be a full-blown nervous breakdown. She radioed ground control for a general update. No response came. Sergei was himself on the verge of a breakdown. He paced back and forth through a haze of cigarette smoke puffing and steaming my capsule he shouted to anyone making the mistake of eye contact how is my capsule she's passed beyond the radio horizon said a flight controller but should but should have come back by now snapped sergey sir there are a number of reasons why i'm getting something the controller was interrupted again this time by a radio operator i think it's her he turned up a dial Sergei frowned, cocking an ear. Reception was poor at first. The words came through in disjointed chunks. Read me. There is repeat. I can see something orbit to be artificial. Do you read me? Don, can I see an object? We read you. We read you. It is poor. It is poor. Say again. I understand you. Don, there is a foreign object in orbit ahead. Everybody in the room froze. The world of dream transitioned to that of waking. Daylight was breaking above the South Atlantic when Rosa, still trying to make contact with Dawn, caught sight of a twinkle, a thing that should not be there. Now, communications was stored in Curiosity Peak. She provided details as they came. Object is in higher orbit. I believe I will overtake it. Reflective surface, spherical. Approaching closer. Too big for a satellite, I think. Just a minute. Rosa retrieved the monocular and aimed it through the forward portal she gasped the shock could not have been greater where a flying saucer with little green men inside a spacecraft i make out lettering cccp it's one of ours short the explicit explicit, explicit expletive <laughs> was under the breath unintended but audible i see extensive damage a hole has been ripped through the re-entry module two sides catastrophic It. Rosa struggled to maintain composure. The craft was almost identical to hers. She conjectured that a small meteoroid might have punched its way through the hole, a one in a million stroke of incredibly bad luck. Aside from the damage, there was something else about this craft that bothered her. It was too small? What did that mean? Then came a new shock. There is. Oh, can it be? There is an occupant inside. I see the torso, the helmet. How is this possible? I'm approaching closer. Her little spaceship sailed toward the anomaly. I see the helmet in the sun. He is smi-. Rosa let herself trail off. She could not finish the sentence because it made no sense. Smiling. He was s- smiling. She pressed the monocular's eye cup to her skin and soon saw why. The meteoroid, or whatever it was, had torn not only through the craft, but through it through its unfortunate occupant as well. His body ended in ragged strips just below the waist. She forced herself to watch as it flowed listlessly above the ca- about the cabin. When the front of the helmet came into view once more, Rosa took a good look at the face. The eyes were tiny, shriveled orbs. What she'd mistaken for smiling was, in fact, decayed flesh around the mouth, exposing teeth and gums in a horrible rictus. This surprised her. She would not have expected decomposition in space. And he was so young, so young her brain did not want to process the final revelation that would set every piece in context yet she could not escape it at the gap between the two vehicles as the gap between the two vehicles closed this was no man this was a boy of about 10 years dogs were not enough they needed a person in space and before the americans booster capacity though had not been adequate for a fully grown adult close they were close but not quite there and they could not wait would not wait their solution was a heartbreaking compromise. He must have launched not four months ago when the pair of muttnicks went up. Every gram counts. Rosa thought of her son as anger welled within. A boy? You sent a boy? How could you do such a thing? Agrippin, Rosa, please. We could not foresee such an accident. It was imperative he go. Sergei's voice reached across space, ringing hollow by the time it filtered through Rose's earpiece. But why? It wasn't right. He should be acknowledged. People should know he was first. We must tell the world he was first. A heavy sigh, then a moment of silence before Sergei spoke again. Can you not not reconsider? I insist! The right thing must be done! Rose's resolve was clear. More silence. I'm sorry, comrade. He cannot be first in space, and neither can you. An orange lamp alerted her to the working of the attitude control thrusters the view tilted as they fired in quick spurts pitching the the rear of the craft earthward wait what are you doing stop i we cannot return you in any form the records may fall into the wrong hands paralyzed she stared into a silent empire of solitude the black expanse stared back with a million starry eyes you mean to you have served the motherland well i'm sorry and Sergei was sorry she was a good Soviet a good woman but he could not risk a return to the gulags the smaller Vostok came into view above and to her right one arm of the remains of its passenger palm out and bent at the elbow seemed to give her a lazy zero-g wave as it bobbed through the window yet yet what are you about to do <sighs> the rocket fire the retro rocket fired with a roar. In tandem with the nitrogen thrusters, it pushed her into a new orbit, curving away from the Earth, into an escape velocity from which there was no return. The corpse floated and grinned behind her. Nyut, you cannot! Rosa was powerless to stop the remote commands. The stars beckoning, beckoned, growing the tiniest bit closer. The capsule, her bravest, swiftest horse, was now her coffin. and... It coffin and it was her fate that she would not would be interred in the cold folds of deep space the conditioned air of the cabin was ice on her skin it smelled sickly sweet like rotting fruit Rosa began to shiver but no one will ever know about us she cried out to the uncaring cosmos no one will ever know no one will ever know agrippin galloped through her mind unbounded at last shut it off said sergey pointing to the radio click the men in the ground control sat at their consoles with grim faces. Sergei opened a new pack of cigarettes, topped one out, and hung it at his lips. Tragic, yes. A setback, yes. He struck a match. Do not fret, comrades. We will try again, and we will succeed. He trudged out of the room in a wake of blue smoke, searching his pockets for another pill. No such luck. Whoosh. Oh <laughs> my god,
0: okay, that, that, that definitely is a... That's a good story. <laughs> I got to say long. I mean, already 501, but nevertheless really great. That's a really good story. I really do like it.
1: Um, I'm sure that we'd both love to comment of more about the stories, but I think we've run out of time and there's another show, so
0: yes. <laughs> but overall, um thank you guys for joining us in this spook spooky pod month. Um, as always, definitely follow us on social media, Two business in the Snow official, uh, on Instagram. Let, <laughs> yeah, Instagram, and uh, our Gmail. Same thing, Two business in the Snow official. Um, you can find us on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts as Two Pieces in the Snow. Uh, give us a five star rating or whatever you think, uh, and yeah, let us know what we should do next. As always, this is Wonkers
1: and Kristen.
0: And we shall see you all next week.
1: Have a happy Halloween and see you guys in November.
0: Yep. Bye. Bye.